the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thanks so very much for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this uh, Wednesday. I almost called it a Tuesday. It should be a Tuesday for me. Uh, I'll get back to that in a second. The twelfth morning of the sixth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, twenty nineteen. Thank you so much for being with us. We are flat out loaded today. I'm just going to tell you point blank. If you want to call, do it right now. We are going to be very very busy between now and eleven o'clock with guests coming up. Uh, in about uh, 30 minutes, we're going to talk to Dr. Everett Piper, best-selling author, former university president, uh, and nationally renowned speaker. He is going to be joining us on a couple of issues at 9.35. At 10.05, we're going to make today Kersenau Day because I was out yesterday. Again, I'll get back to that in a moment. Uh, Peter Kersenau at 10.05 today. So, special treat for you. Just consider it a gift. If you're a dad, happy Father's Day. I give you Piper and Kersenau on the same day. And you know what? You're really going to love this. I don't care if you're a dad, if you're not, or if you're a woman. Everybody's going to love listening to Congressman Bill Johnson. Representative Johnson will be joining us at 1035 this morning. So we are loaded up, seriously, virtually throughout the program with guests. Uh, so if you've got something to say on one of the issues of the day, you're going to want to do that now in the first half hour of the program. 216-901-0945, Either one of those numbers gets you here. Social media, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Parler. That is the new one. Make sure you are joining me and following me over to Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R, if you have not yet joined and created an account on that social media app. It is where conservatives are flocking, particularly those who have been booted by the liberal censors and deniers of free speech at the others. So I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Parler at 
France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, radio, all one word, no spaces and no underscores. Uh, as for yesterday, as I mentioned, obviously I was not in. If you tuned in, you were treated to a wonderful program, I have no doubt. I can't say that I listened to it. I was out of state. I couldn't pick it up down in Kentucky, where I was at the University of Kentucky with my son, who was on a football camp visit. Um, uh, but uh, Khalid Namar is just awesome. I know that uh, from having heard him before many other times. He has sat in for me now. This has got to be his third or fourth appearance, I think sitting in for me, and obviously I hear him on the Todd Allen Show on Sunday nights at 9, uh, right here on AM 1420 The Answer. So based on my own previous experiences, I am certain that you enjoyed Khalid Namar. Uh, he did. Uh, he does an amazing job, and I'm sure he did a great job yesterday. So I'm glad you enjoyed I know he texted me and said he enjoyed the heck out of it, so that's a good sign. Uh, so uh, thanks to Khalid for sitting in yesterday. Thanks to you for giving him the same attention that you would me. And uh, we are ready to rock and roll today. All right, a lot of different news to get into today. And I want to start with this unbelievable... Well, no, actually, I'm going to pivot. Somebody texted me, or not, not texted, correction, Facebook uh, questioned me and said, Hey, Bob, any update on Gibsons? And uh, i like to give you the local st- stories first if I can. So let's do that. Gibsons Bakery, which won an $11.2 million judgment against the People's Republic of Oberlin College late last week, which we talked about in some depth on Monday. Um, yesterday had the, the first uh, opportunity for the punitive phase of the trial, meaning punitive damages. There has to be, according to Ohio law, as a result, result of tort reform that was passed several years ago, you can't juries cannot consider punitive damages at the same time as the judgment uh, uh, in favor of a plaintiff or a defendant. Uh, uh, at the same time, they have to have a separate hearing, is what I'm laboring to say here. So the separate hearing started yesterday. And at that point, we were supposed to learn whether or not punitive damages, which could uh, reach up to $33 million, triple the amount of the actual judgment against Oberlin College, um, whether the punitive damages were awarded yesterday, but no, no movement, no movement. And the reason why is there was, and I answered my Facebook friend this question as well, and I'll answer it for you as well. Um, judge John Moraldi, the common pleas judge, had to deal with a motion for a mistrial by Oberlin College, which is in pure desperation mode here. And I absolutely love every single inch of their pain. And I want them to feel every inch of it. They begged for a mistrial and a new trial over the issue of how jurors would be instructed uh, to consider the punitive damages owed by the college to the Gibson family and to Gibson's bakery. Ronald Holman, an attorney for the college, made the request in court only days after the college was ordered uh, by a jury to pay Gibson's bakery. And I'm reading from the Chronicle-Telegram, which is a paper out in Lorain County. Um to pay Gibson's Bakery and the Gibson family more than $11 million in compensatory damages for economic loss. Starting today, uh, jurors will now be instructed on how to proceed in awarding or denying punitive damages of up to an additional $22 million, which would then, of course, mean the original uh, uh, original judgment would be tripled up to $33 million. I wish they could do more. In awarding the compensatory damages last week, jurors found the college inflicted emotional distress, interfered with business relationships, and libeled the business after student protests in November of 2016. I won't go through the rest of the details, as you know. But uh, the attorney for uh, Oberlin, Holman, argued that the judge had restricted the questions jury members um, will be asked to consider in this punitive phase of the trial 
um, before awarding punitive damages and the judge's prior rulings would uh, commingle the damage awards and that it would be utter, uh, utterly impossible to properly administer, according to the attorney, or advise questions to jurors at this point in the case. So they begged for a mistrial. Judge Moraldi slammed that back in their face and said, nope, there will be no mistrial uh, on this punitive phase either. So Oberlin is in some deep, deep water. They know it. They're going to be underwater very soon, the jurors out in Lorain County, which is my stomping ground. By the way, I don't stomp very much anymore. I stomped when I was younger. Now it's just my slow pace treading ground. Um, <laughs> but the jurors uh, out there are going to hear uh, or are going to deliberate today, and hopefully by the end of the day today we will have the judgment. And hopefully it will be another an additional $22 million in a $33 million total judgment against Oberlin College. I can't overstate the importance of that. And I know there's big news to talk about with tariffs and victories and, and Congress wanting pay raises and all these other things. But in all seriousness, I cannot overstate the importance of that. You talk about David versus Goliath. You talk about the little man striking a blow for justice against a behemoth, uh, which Oberlin College is in the grand scheme of things. Uh, sending a message to universities that you cannot just slander and libel individuals or businesses and get away with it, all to advance a political agenda, a social justice warrior indoctrination agenda, and so on and so forth. It's a massive, massive victory and could be a huge precedent in cases where uh, colleges and other uh, uh, particularly progressive organizations try to drop their hammers on the little guy again and again and again. So a huge, huge win for Gibsons, and hopefully there'll be an even bigger win in the punitive side. All right, I mentioned a moment ago, uh, just in passing here, uh, pay raises, and I just have to do this. I couldn't believe it yesterday when I got back from Kentucky and took a look at all of the news and see, to see what I missed. I always miss a lot when I'm gone. Socialist Representative Alexandria Kelly Bundio Cortez whined, apparently, on Monday about the possibility that she might not get a $4,500 pay raise, which she downplayed as only being a cost-of-living adjustment as she compared members, members of Congress to minimum wage workers. No, she did that. She really did. Um, I, I want to read this to you. Actually, I may uh, let me play this for you. Actually, rather than read it to you, let me play for you a little bit of um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Um, actually, hold on a second. Let me see if I can. I, now I don't have that queued up. I'm just going to have to read to you what she said. So, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez complaining that she might not get her pay raise and saying that she and other members of Congress deserve their pay raise, just as minimum wage workers deserve cost-of-living adjustments. Quote, You know, it might not be politically popular to say, but honestly, this is why there's so much pressure to turn to lobbying firms and to cash in on member service after people leave, because precisely of this issue. So it may be politically convenient, and it may make you look good in the short term for saying, oh, we're not voting for pay increases, but we should be fighting for pay increases for every American worker. We should be fighting for a $15 minimum wage pegged to inflation so that everybody in the United States with a salary with a wage gets a cost of living increase. Members of Congress, retail workers, everybody should get cost of living increases, says Kelly Bundy. To accommodate for the changes in our economy, and then when we don't do that, it only increases the pressure on members to exploit loopholes, like insider trading loopholes, to make it on the back end. And that's my issue, is that it's superficial, you know, can vote against pay increases all you want. 
It's, in my opinion, voting against a pay, voting against, it's not even like a raise. It's a cost of living adjustment. So you can vote against a cost of living and adjust, adjustment, she said, all you want, and it'll look good on its surface. But it will. Every cost of living adjustment that gets bypassed is going to increase the pressure to exploit loopholes and legal loopholes to kind of lean on other ways to enrich oneself through service. Do not misunderstand what I just heard her say, or I just read to you that she said. Do not misunderstand this. Do not take that lightly. Every cost of living adjustment that gets bypassed in Congress is voting to increase the pressure to exploit loopholes and legal loopholes to kind of lean on other ways to enrich oneself through service. And so my whole side of it is, it may not be optics, she said. It may not be great optics. It may not look like the best in terms of your opponents could use it as a political and exploit as a political issue, but in substance, you might as well be transparent about a cost-of-living increase. Now, I want you to understand. That's why I said don't misunderstand what you do. I want you to really consider what we just heard from Kelly Bundy O'Cortez. She just said, if you don't give us raises in Congress the legal way through a vote to raise our pay, $4,500 a member, then it just encourages us to be dirty and steal it in other ways. She just admitted, you either pay us the legitimate way through a pay increase, or we will look to exploit loopholes to make money on the back end. Then she tried to correct herself by throwing the word legal in there, saying legal loopholes. No, we know exactly what you mean. And you also use the word enrich. Kelly, this is why why we love you. Seriously. This woman, honestly, who could pass as Kelly Bundy, the old married with children sitcom character, the dumb vacuous blonde who literally couldn't, you know, breathe if she didn't have in and out uh, uh, stenciled in front of her. Um, this is Kelly Bundy's younger, dumber sister, but in real life, we love her because she never stops giving us ammunition to expose the progressive movement for what it is. So Kelly Bundio Cortez says, if you don't give us this pay increase, or if we don't vote for the pay increase ourselves, then we have to go and stoop through uh, illegal means and exploit loopholes to, quote, enrich ourselves on the back end. I thought you went to Congress to serve. Little Miss, I want to be from the Bronx, but I'm really from Westchester. I thought you went there to serve, to help make things better for your people in the Bronx. And in your district, I thought that's what everybody in Congress says. It's about service. And she admitted that we have to find other ways to enrich ourselves. Simply staggering. All right. Tons of things still to discuss. We're going to discuss most of them. Uh, How about Joe Biden, by the way? I don't have time for this at the moment. uh, But you heard the ultimate campaign promise. Did you not hear this yesterday? Did anybody hear Joe Biden yesterday make the campaign promise to end all campaign promises in the history of the world? Joe Biden, if I win... We'll cure cancer. No, he said that. A campaign promise to cure cancer if he's president. Holy goodness. I, uh, I've i got some thoughts on that I might want to share as well. And I'm going to ask some of our guests to talk about that as well, including Dr. Piper, Peter Kersenow, and Congressman Bill Johnson. All coming up right here on AM 1420, The Answer, back after this. 
WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. special here. That's a nice way to come back. I like it it a lot. Let it play while I read this tweet from Brett, who was making fun of me because I said I couldn't listen to the show in Kentucky. He tweeted me at France Radio and said, couldn't listen to the show in Kentucky? Really? I thought you for... I think you're forgetting the WHK app. No cell service in Kentucky? All right, smart guy. Couldn't listen to it in Kentucky because I was on a football field that was blaring hip-hop music while my son and a bunch of other college prospects worked out during the U.K. Wildcat camp, okay? I couldn't listen to the show because of where I was, not because the the app doesn't exist. But since you brought it up, smart man, uh, yes, you should be uh, be able to listen to the uh, program and the station anytime you want to by way of our free mobile app. Just search for it. Uh, search for 1420 The Answer on your App Store, your Google uh, Play Store, or wherever it is that you have for your uh, for your smartphone or for your tablet. Or, of course, you can also listen anytime at whkradio.com. Just stream it right from the website. All right, as long as you got me on the subject, you can also you listen to your Amazon Echo. Uh, just tell Alexa and make sure you enable the skill to enable um, uh, The Answer Cleveland, and then all you got to do is say, Alexa, play The Answer Cleveland, and uh, bam, there we shall be through your speakers. Hey, um, I missed uh, an opportunity yesterday to update you because I was not here on the Alliance Defending Freedom campaign that we are engaging in in this month of June, such an important event. Um you're killing it. You're doing a great job, but we still have a long way to go, okay? I told you our goal is 45 listeners to donate $100 apiece to raise money as part of Salem Media's nationwide campaign to help Alliance Defending Freedom do their great work uh, that they are through their ministry, helping protect religious liberty in this country. And uh, we are down to 24. We need 24 more. So we've done a tremendous job already. Loving every second of it. You're doing a great job. But we need 24 more people to donate $100 each. Or if we can work that out another way, we can have you know fewer people donating $200 each. You know what your ability to, to donate is. You know what your means are. You know what you can do. If you are able to do more, please do more. If you're able to do a little less than that, please do what you can. Know that it's all tax deductible. You will be able to write all of this off in, uh, uh, in this coming April on your taxes for 2019. But this is such an important campaign. Here's another case. New York. This is the case. Uh, this is the case of Dr. David Schwartz. New York enacted an ordinance that censors private conversations between therapists and patients. Alliance Defending Freedom is suing the city of New York on behalf of Dr. David Schwartz, who is an Orthodox Jewish psychotherapist. The law only prohibits counsel in one direction, assisting a patient who desires to reduce same-sex attraction or to achieve comfort in a gender identity that matches his biology or her physical body. The law threatens increasing fines of up to $10,000 per offense. By contrast, counseling that steers a patient toward a gender identity that's different than who they are, what their physical biology says they are, is permitted. And most of Dr. Schwartz's clients are members of an Orthodox Jewish community just wishing to live out their faith. But New York is trying to put a stop to it. Guess what? Alliance Defending Freedom is stepping up and stepping in. They have filed that lawsuit against the city of New York. They're representing Dr. Schwartz again in the interest of religious liberty and in the interest of what is right, constitutional protections. He's not allowed to counsel his patients to actually accept 
the body that they were born in? This is, this is bizarre. It's, it's not right, and it's why we are supporting Alliance Defending Freedom. Please write this number down, or if you've got a phone, just pull it out right now and pull up the keypad and punch it. 800-691-8969. Please donate to Alliance Defending Freedom. This ministry is extraordinarily important. They're protecting people and providing these legal services they cannot afford on their own. 800-691-8969. Or if you are on, on, uh, on a browser right now, just log on to whkradio.com, and you'll see an Alliance Defending Freedom banner at the very top of the page. Click that banner. It'll take you to a donation page. Please donate. We need 24 people to donate $100 each. Please, let's get this done, and let's support Alliance Defending Freedom because they support and defend us. Dr. Everett Piper after the news in 1420 The Answer. Nine thirty-five. As we roll on, AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks again for joining us. And thanks again to Khalid Namar sitting in for us yesterday, or for me yesterday rather. I know you had a great time with him, and we are loaded up today with great guests. As I mentioned, we were, and uh, that includes, of course, Doctor Everett Piper joining us once again. Now, Doctor Piper normally is a Thursday guest on our program, but since I do have different plans tomorrow, and I will be out once again, I have asked Doctor Piper to join us today. He has kindly agreed. Doctor Piper, of course, is now a former university president at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He is a nationally sought-after speaker and a best-selling author. His latest book is not. A daycare, although that won't be as latest for long as a new one is coming out this fall. Dr. Piper, good to have you. How are you, sir? Bob, I'm doing well. You? Fantastic. Really, really well. Thanks very much for asking. All right, Dr. Piper, there's a lot of things I wanted to go over with you, um, and we talked about some of them uh, off the air, so we'll kind of dive right into them in that order. And I want to talk about the Pride Month celebration that is going on. You wrote an article about that, and you also talked about that with me in a conversation last week, uh, particularly about Pride being one of the seven deadly sins, first of all, uh, and it might not necessarily be the best thing to be to be uh, promoting here, but specifically as it pertains to the LGBTQ community, um, the Pride flag is being flown all over the place, but it's not being flown over U.S. embassies. And this is a result of the Trump administration, which denied a request. According to NBC News, U.S. embassies in Israel, Germany, Brazil, and Latvia are among those that have requested permission from the Trump State Department to fly the Pride flag on their flagpoles, and they have been denied, according to diplomats. Uh, although the flag has been flown elsewhere on embassy grounds, including inside embassies and on exterior walls, the decision not to allow it on the official flagpole stands in contrast to President Trump's claim to be a leader in supporting LGBTQ rights overseas. Dr. Piper, um, is the Trump administration making an error here, and how do you read the situation? Well, from what I read, uh, my response is good. I'm glad he's not allowing the flag to be flown at the embassies. It never should have been there in the first place. For several reasons, but let's first talk about the simple reason of Pandora's box. If you're going to start flying political flags along with the American flag on flagpoles across the world, where do you stop? Are we going to start flying the political flag of those on the right as well as those on the left? For example, and I'd be, you know, I, I support the pro-life movement. I support various different flags that would represent the pro-life movement. Are we going to start flying those political flags on flagpoles across the nation? Um, If we are going to do that, are we going to start allowing various different, for example, Black Lives Matter? Are you going to fly the Black Lives Matter flag? Whether you disagree or agree with the political agenda, is the United States flagpole 
supposed to have political flags flying along with the uh, the American flag. That's a question we've got to ask ourselves. And I think opening up Pandora's box here is silly and crazy. And I'm glad President Trump has said no. Now, let me say this, and then I'll take a breath. Why in the world are we flying a flag that celebrates pride in the first place? I'd like to get into my commentary on the seven deadly sins. Pride is the first among those seven deadly sins for a reason. C.S. Lewis tells us that pride is the ultimate anti-God state of mind. Chesterton told us that pride is the poison in every other sin. David speaks against pride. Solomon speaks against pride. Jesus speaks against pride. Paul speaks against pride. We see time and time again, Aquinas speaks against pride. Benjamin Franklin spoke against pride. John Quincy Adams spoke against pride. Pride has always been considered a negative, not a positive. I would argue that we ought to fly a flag of humility rather than one of pride, and we might want to have a month of celebrating humility rather than one that elevates pride. Our culture and our kids would be a lot better off for it. Dr. Everett Piper is our guest this morning. You know, I want to go back to the Pandora's box part of your response, Dr. Piper, because that is so very true and very important. Um, you know, what are we to do? I mean, there are a lot of movements in this country. There are a lot of movements. You talked about the pro-life movement. Of course, there is an anti-pro-life uh, uh, movement, the pro-choicers or the pro-abortionists or whatever. Uh, at what point do, do we decide or would government decide that the movement has grown large enough to warrant flag flying on official State Department flagpoles, either on embassies uh, or over embassies uh, in, on foreign soil or here, you know, on state houses or on uh, Capitol Hill or, or anywhere else? Because that's the thing. It seems to be that, well, the LGBTQ movement has grown so much, it's big enough now that we can recognize it with this flag. How big does the pro-life movement have to get before they'll say, yes, let's hang up a flag in support of, uh, of, of you, know, you know, life and, and, and anti-abortion? and so on and so forth. And there's, that, that's just two small examples, of course. But there are a lot of other movements, the Black Lives Matter movement over issues involving police shootings. At what point does that become large enough to say, yes, we're going to fly the black fist uh, over, the, uh, over the embassies? I guess that's the, the, the real issue here, and you make such a great point about Pandora's box. Well, and again, it basically becomes a partisan seesaw back and forth. Every time the White House changes, every time the Congress changes, every time power changes, we're going to be flying a different flag that represents the United States of America? That makes no sense. We are one nation under God. E pluribus unum. We are one people. We come together together in unity, not diversity. That's why I've always said I used to run a university. I didn't run a diversity because we stood for unity, not division. We put first things first, and we got the second thrown in by default. But what we're doing now is we're elevating power and division, and any time a uh, Democrat's in power in the White House, you're going to fly Democratic causes below the United States flag, and any time a Republican's in the White House, you're going to fly Republican causes below the United States flag. All it does is it furthers the victimization, it furthers the division, it furthers the worship of diversity rather than elevating the unity, the e pluribus unum, out of many, one. It elevates the many, and it diminishes the one by doing this. Very well said. Dr. Uh, Everett Piper joining us. Dr. Piper is the author, again, of a 
uh, spectacular book, a very influential book, uh, Not a Daycare, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning um, Common Sense. Uh, and, and Dr. Piper, your new book is called Adulting. Can we hit that just for a second here? And I know it's coming out this fall. I think you said right around uh, uh, November. Uh, but it's called Adulting. Can you give us a little preview of that real quick? Well, basically, in Not a Daycare, I was bemoaning the problem, the snowflake rebellion, the trigger warnings, the victimization culture that we perpetuated in our schools and our colleges and our universities. And we see it every day in the news, all these college students prancing, pouting, and preening because they didn't like an idea, and therefore they want to shut it down. They're ideological fascists. They don't believe in academic freedom anymore, and, that, and the universities are accommodating them and pampering them. That's what I said in Not a Daycare. I said, my land, we're universal, we're not a daycare. We expect you to grow up, we're not going to pamper you. In adulting, I'm basically giving 15 to 20 principles on how to act like a mature human being in this unpanelized culture. So Not a Daycare was the problem. Adulting will be the solution, the Piper principle, if you will, of how to behave like an adult, how to believe and act like an adult, how to solve the problem by leading rather than following like a um, adolescent that just doesn't like getting who's mad because he doesn't get his way. I love that. I love that. By the way, I think I mistitled uh, the uh, the subtitle. Uh, the Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth is the uh, subtitle for Not a Daycare. Make sure you read that if you have not yet done it before you read Adulting when that comes out. Doctor, I want to move on to another issue, something that, again, you and I kind of uh, uh, touched base on yesterday to get your thoughts on. You know, the Democrats are constantly crying about the um, humanity and the, the crisis uh, at, the, at the southern border with respect to uh, the conditions uh, that have been supplied for the massive uh, number of illegal immigrants coming to this country or asylum seekers, 90-plus percent of them are false and phony asylum seekers, but they're decrying the conditions that the people are kept in, and they're decrying the fact that uh, a, a very small handful of, of children have actually died while uh, you know in the uh, uh, holding areas or in the official, quote-unquote, custody of Border Protection Services. Um, you know, suggesting somehow that the administration and that we don't care about them, that we're not trying to save them. But here's an opportunity now to to assist by, by providing more materials, whether it be medical care, whether it be food, whether it be housing, more shelters, and so on and so forth down there. And the Democrat Party doesn't want anything to do with that. They blocked an emergency funding measure um, for the border crisis yesterday, how can they claim moral high ground about trying to help the individuals, the poor immigrants who are coming up from Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Mexico, and really from around the world, they're coming from the Middle East, they're coming from Africa, and so on and so forth. How can they claim they care about these people and that we, they want us to help uh, take care of them, but they won't, uh, they won't open up the, 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 the purse strings in order to do so? Well, they can't claim so with integrity or with a straight face. It's political posturing. There's no principle involved here. And in fact, we all know this. Pelosi and Obama, uh, Hillary Clinton, many on the left used to say, used to say the same thing President Trump is saying today and Republicans are saying today with regard to border security, the definition of our borders, and doing something about out-of-control immigration. Obama said it. Clinton said it. Everybody said it, but now it's not politically popular. So they're, all they're doing is they're playing, they're playing this. They don't have any principles when it comes to actually trying to protect people. And back to this issue of you never get liberty if you don't obey the law. If you break down the walls of law, the people that should 
should be protected by those laws in the first place are the first to suffer. And that's what we see on the border right now. Serious immigrants, people that want to come here for good reasons, moms and dads with children are the first to suffer because who are they being abused by? Those individuals that are breaking the law to come into the United States, the gangs and the various different drug cartels are abusing the women and abusing the children in their efforts to gain entry in the United States for nefarious purposes. Sex trafficking, drug trafficking, using children as uh, mules to get that done. That's what's happening right now, and the Democrats could care less about it because they won't fund a solution for it. And we've been, the conservatives have been saying all along that this is a humanitarian crisis that needs to be corrected by enforcing the law, not abandoning the law, because when you get rid of those laws, you don't get liberty. You are going to get chaos and anarchy that fills the vacuum. Yeah, you know, Dr. Piper, the other part of this, as, as we talk about, um, you know, humane treatment of these migrants and so on and so forth, is by not funding the the emergency, uh, which is everybody agrees. You know, Kevin McElhinney, the acting uh, Homeland Security Secretary, said uh, we are beyond our breaking point. This is this is this is not even close to being you know a, a question. We are beyond an emergency here. We actually have to have this funding, or else we're not going to be able to to keep people alive for crying out loud. But it's beyond that. The the child trafficking part of this, Doctor Piper, is 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 astonishing um they have found hundreds of kids that have been passed around and used to get in because word is is gotten out of course to all of those who are trying to come to this country and claim asylum that if you have a child you will be admitted and released into the united states essentially immediately and so children are being funneled they're being used to get in and then those same children are being brought out and handed to different people who are coming in again uh children are being kidnapped sometimes being sold by desperate parents in in third world countries in order to be uh, to be used as, as as tools or pawns to get inside again i ask where is the morality where is the humanity of the democrats who claim that they are looking out for these people's best interest when children are being put in such danger there is none i repeat myself there is none it's not biblical it's not logical it's not legal it's not moral and when the Democrats continue to use these children as pawns, we say that the that the coyotes and the uh, MS-13 and the various different criminals that are coming across the border are using these children. That is absolutely true. But I would argue that the Democrats and the liberals and the progressives are using them in a similar fashion for political gain and just making points in the media here. These are human beings that need our help. And there's no way to help them if we just wash our hands of what our sovereignty requires of us that you cannot be a sovereign nation without defined borders and defined laws. And we see culture breaking down and collapsing under our very noses. Go to San Francisco and you see the anarchy that's taking place because of terrible immigration enforcement that is actually migrating north to these cities and there's no law to control those people that have chosen to come here through illegal means. I saw it in Washington, D.C. when I arrived yesterday. I hadn't seen the whole, the, uh, the various different shanty towns and tents and whatnot that are just along the, uh, the exits as I entered Washington, D.C. And I've been here several times. It's the first time I've seen it to this degree. Uh, I, I was reading in the news just last week that the bubonic plague, the Black Death, is rising up again in California right now because of poor sanitary conditions with regard to this. You break down the common sense, common laws of God, and you're going to get some very negative consequences as a result. 
No question about it. Dr. Piper, I know you're on a time budget now because, as you mentioned, you're in D.C., so rather than making you hold through our traffic break, I'm just going to ask you our last question here and then wrap. Uh, you are in D.C. I, I, I described you earlier as a nationally renowned speaker, and uh, as, as a part of that, you're in D.C. speaking at the Schlafly Collegians Summit. Can you tell me what your message to the young collegians is today? Very briefly, I'm going to challenge them with a, kind of a what would Jesus do talk. Basically, it's this. What did Jesus do in the face of these types of challenges, in the face of a political adversary, somebody who wanted to challenge his message, his morality, his meaning in terms of what life should be? Often, Jesus basically looked his adversary in the eyes and he said, are you serious? Are you serious? In other words, do you want to throw the first stone? Are you serious? Why do you call me Lord? Are you serious? And you really think your ideas are going to prevail better than mine at the end of the day. Are you serious? So I'm going to share with the students here the fact that the way to win this debate, to win this argument, to win uh, with good over bad, is to do what Jesus did and ask the rhetorical question that exposes the broken worldview of your adversary, then just be quiet and let them drop their stones and walk away. Basically, ask them, are you serious? It's a great question. I love it, and I really wish I could be there to hear the responses of those students when you uh, pose those questions to them. Dr. Everett Piper, uh, again, our regular Thursday guest, agreed to come on with us a little early this week due to my own scheduling issues. Dr. Piper, really appreciate your wisdom, as always. Thanks very much, sir. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Blessings. Bye-bye. And to you as well. It's 9.52. We'll take our time out now. Come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Have you ever been close to tragedy? I've been close to folks in mind. All right, a short segment here before the top of the hour at 9.57. Really, really cannot uh, stress enough the importance of uh, of reading uh, Dr. Piper's book. And I, I get no proceeds from that, by the way. I have no uh, arrangement whatsoever. I just like to promote things that are good. And uh, Dr. Piper's book is a, is a must-read. It's called uh, Not a Daycare. Again, The Devastating Consequences of Abandoning Truth. His second book, Adulting, is coming out this fall. Speaking of great authors, by the way, another one's coming up here at the top, after the top of the hour. He's more than an author, though, of course. He's a member of the United States Commission on civil rights but we've got a Kersenau sighting peter Kersenau will be with us at 1005 and we're going to talk about a number of things including the identity politics of the left and i'll throw this one at you because well i it's <laughs> it's either the easier than throwing up which is kind of what kind of what i wanted to do kirsten gillibrand one of the uh zero percenters polling at zero percent in the democratic cesspool of candidates She's doing everything she can to make a name for herself. She's doing everything she can to um, uh, promote. And uh, the latest attempt is, again, identity politics. She's comparing being pro-life to being a racist. That's right. If you believe that babies should be allowed to survive, that's like being a racist. Quote, imagine saying that it's okay to appoint a judge who's a racist or an anti-Semite or a homophobe. Asking someone to appoint someone who takes away basic human rights of any group of people in America, I don't think that those are political issues anymore. She literally said that if you were to appoint a judge, a federal judge, who doesn't believe in baby murder, in other words, somebody who is pro-life, that's like appointing a judge who would be a racist. Because you're denying a woman her quote-unquote right to murder her baby in the same way you might deny civil rights to people of color 
or to Jews, because she, she also threw in anti-Semites or homophobic and so on and so forth. So this is just exactly what they do. Democrats, that is. And it's funny, it's not funny in that way, it's kind of sad to be quite frank with you, but um, it, it's getting worse rather than getting better. Rather than trying to unite and bring people together, they 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 all agree that Donald Trump is the great divider-in-chief, and yet they themselves are the ones who continue to divide everybody along identification lines, by race, by color, by uh, religion, by sexual orientation, by by income uh, uh income amounts in other words by class this is what they do and they're trying to get every single individual demographic group to think that they are the ones that the democrats are looking out for peter kirsch and i will discuss this in much more depth coming up right after the news which is now on 1420 the answer three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com <laughs> 